0: Ephesians, the sixth chapter, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10. If you will, read along with me. I think most of you know the portion of scripture. Let's read it together. We're going to read beginning from verse 10 down through verse 18. He said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked." and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you can help me, we got a little bit of a ring, and I don't know where it's coming from, but trying to work through a few technical difficulties. Praise God. We've been talking to you from the subject, arm yourself. How important it is that we do that, and how vital it is that we take that word that has been given to us and fully, Equip ourselves with what God has provided. The Christian life is a life of conflict. And we should not be surprised by adversity. The armor that God has given us is given to help us stand. Everybody say stand. It is given to help us stand. And it is indispensable in light of the enemy that we face. I love it when I read this portion of Scripture because I understand that what God gave me was not given to prevent battle. It was to preserve me in the battle. Amen. Living for God does not exempt me from problems. But when I put on the armor of God, I am more than adequate to face any problem that life can bring at me. I love it because the armor of God is tough enough to take anything that the enemy throws at it. Amen. It's tough enough to take anything that Satan could imagine And it is sufficient to bear every attack. That's a powerful thing to know that the armor of God is sufficient to bear every attack. It is a soul covering. And every piece of it is needed. Everybody say every piece. Turn to your neighbor and say every piece. Amen. Every piece is needed. Every grace of God is made stronger when it is joined with companion graces. And so it is with the armor of God. All of them are needed. The whole armor of God. When you equip yourself in that armor, you are unbeatable and undefeatable. Praise God. What, a, what an awesome promise. Is that the armor that God has given will make me unbeatable and undefeatable. In exploring the armor over the past few weeks, we have looked at it from a different perspective. Not just the piece of armor itself, but perhaps what it was intended to protect. We've talked about the girdle of truth. And how that truth protects our purpose. The breastplate of righteousness. And the only real protection for the heart is righteousness. Or right standing with God. Or living according to God's principle. The only protection for my feet to keep me stable is the gospel of peace. The only thing that will keep my hands Active and powerful is the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. Last week we talked to you about the importance of the helmet of salvation. The only protection that I have from my mind, my head, is what God has done for me. The only thing that has kept me from going crazy in life is that the Lord has reminded me of what all He has done for my life. I died for you, I bled for you, I suffered for you. Now listen, if you didn't mean anything to me, why would I have gone to that extent to have gone through all of that? So when the devil comes and whispers in your ear that you don't matter, that you don't count, that you're a failure, you just remind them of the blood. You just remind him of Calvary. And say to your enemy, if I'm not worth anything, then why would he have gone to such extent to pay such a price that I could know the liberty and freedom of his spirit? Thank God for a protection from my mind. And in a world that needs it desperately, salvation is the only hope for the troubled mind. Amen. Six pieces that we have talked about so far that have been mentioned in our text. Six is the number of man. And if we were to have concluded our message or our teaching at this point, we certainly would be giving you a protection but not the full protection. Six is the number of man and man's efforts alone are never enough. Armor and weapons are not sufficient to win the battle. If we're going to win the spiritual battle, it's going to involve this seventh element. Everybody say the seventh element. The seventh element. Seven is the divine number. It is the divine element. So seven is the energy that we need to do the work. And it is the strength that we must have to fight the fight and keep the faith. And in order for this armor to be what God designed it to be, it is essential that there be that divine element involved in the mixture of all that we are doing. And so tonight we come to our last consideration of this pivotal passage. There are some questions by some scholars as to whether this particular verse was meant to be part of the armor. But I say to you tonight that it is essential to the armor. It is necessary for the completion of the warrior. I believe that the 18th verse is the crowning article of the armor. For it is in fact the spirit in which the divine armor is to be assumed and the warfare carried out. This is the divine element that makes all the other pieces effective and powerful. The element that we are talking about is the element of prayer. Everybody say prayer. And Paul concluded by saying, praying always. Prayer is the element that is needed, and it is essential, and it protects a very vital part of our spiritual bodies. And that, my friend, are your knees. Amen. Everybody say my knees. The knees of the human body are probably the most overlooked part of our body. I could bore you tonight with a lot of facts about the human knee. But let it be said that it is made up of many parts. And it is the largest joint in the human body. But the marvel of its mechanical and physiological nature makes it magnificently suited for the work that it is called to do. For the knee is the most important joint of the body because it is essential for the carrying of the body. It is essential in the movement of the body. Without the knee, we would be stationary Without the knee, we would be immobile. And so it is with prayer. That without prayer in our lives, our lives are not carried. And they are not moved along in the way that they ought to be moved. Knees give us mobility. They enable us to move forward. They give us success in life. They bend and flex and rotate and pivot and hinge. All of those movements are vital for my life and for the efforts that I am putting forth. They enable me to run. They enable me to walk. And if necessary, they enable me to stand. They are designed to get you somewhere, to move this body in a positive direction. The knees sustain some of the greatest stresses to the human body. I was listening to a friend of mine who was uh, dealing with an issue uh, in his life that was being detrimental to his knees. And I, I don't remember, I tried to call him before church to remind me, but the doctors told him that, Whatever your human body weight is, you multiply that by a number and that tells you the stress that you are putting on those joints. I don't, maybe some of you know what it is. But a a, a person, and I'm just going to use this number because this was the number that was given me. But a, a man who weighed 285 pounds. And he was over his weight of uh, uh, whatever his normal weight should have been. He does not, he, his normal weight would be 185 pounds, and he's 100 pounds overweight. But his knees don't carry just 100 pounds more, but they carry 650 pounds more stress on them. So. Your knees, I don't think any of us understand how vital they are to the well-being of our life, but they carry a lot of weight. And I don't mean that disrespectful, but they carry more than you think they carry. You're thinking it's just this problem, but the reality is it's this problem multiplied times over. And the only thing that will help you carry that weight of life is prayer. The only thing that will enable you to keep going when you feel weighted down is prayer. There were a lot of things that Paul could have concluded by saying here in this passage. But he said it is vital that you understand that everything that you're doing has got to be encapsulated in an atmosphere and a spirit of prayer. Because prayer is the only thing that will sustain you amid the stress of life. Amen. Life gets pretty heavy sometimes. It's not one problem. Whoever has one problem anymore? Anybody? Anybody? Some of you are not sure. Anybody here ever just have one problem? No. It's a raining shower of problems. This doesn't work, and that doesn't work, and if that wasn't bad enough, this goes wrong. You get up in the night and you stub your toe, that's bad enough. But in stubbing your toe, you start hobbling through the bedroom in the dark, and you fall over and break a valuable piece of furniture. Or your own arm or leg. Bad goes to worse. It's not one problem that life brings to us. It's, the, it's that steady flow of the unexpected. And Paul in such an incredible way. Tries to help us understand. That the only force that is sufficient to keep you up. And to bear you through the heaviness of life. Is the spirit of prayer. Everybody say prayer. The knees provide stable support for the body. They lend both flexibility and stability to life, to your human body. And so does prayer. Prayer helps keep me stable. It helps keep me from falling, but it also helps keep me flexible. One of the worst things that can happen in a person's life is they become inflexible, unmovable. Something cannot stir them. They're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Both flexibility and stability are needed for the movement of the body. The bending and the straightening of the leg enables you to walk or stand or run or even turn. And so it is that prayer enables us to do the same. Prayer is what enables us to walk. And sometimes it empowers me to run. There are times that I need to turn. And prayer is the substance. It is the spirit that helps me make that kind of movement And oh, how we need the power of prayer today to help us just stand. Amen. When you've done all to just stand. As you can well understand, the knees are subject to daily pounding, bending, pressure, twisting, turning. The only solution to all of that is just old-fashioned prayer. Amen. The daily wear and tear of life makes our knees vulnerable to injuries. And the only thing that can help keep me fresh and keep me alert and vibrant and powerful is the spirit of prayer. Your body can only hold up what your knees can take. Amen. And we tend to ignore them until something bad happens and we start feeling pain. Then all of a sudden we remember, I need to pray. I'm going to give you a little revelation tonight. Paul, the way he talked about prayer will help you understand prayer is not an escape route. Prayer is not something you do just when pain comes. Prayer is something that you need to do all the time. It is the, most, the, the knee is the most frequent point of contact during traumatic injuries and accidents. And our knees, according to statistics, our knees are more likely to be injured than any other joint in our body. And if you think the devil doesn't care about your knees, why do you think he fights you so much when you go to prayer? because the weakest person in this building makes hell tremble when they fall to their knees. Amen. Somebody said amen. amen. It's no strange thing that they are a point or a symbol of vulnerability. Kneecapping. You may have never heard that. I hadn't really heard of it. I've I've heard the the word kneecap, but kneecapping is a practice that has been known throughout the world by terrorists and organized crime groups to immobilize their opponents. Either with a baseball bat to the knee or a slug to the knee, they can disable their enemy and bring them to naught. The result is not life-threatening. You will not necessarily die But you will be immobilized. I thought it interesting in my studies that I came across an article that in 1995, the police in the Philippines were looking for a gang of men who specialized in stealing kneecaps from graves. They would dig up the bodies and they would cut out the kneecaps Of these people because the thieves, listen to this. The thieves believed to be a a, a member of a certain sect. They believed that the spiritual energy of the body and the spiritual energy of life was found in the knee. And they believed that spiritual energy could be gained by grinding up kneecaps and scattering them around the house because spiritual power was believed to be concentrated in the knees because knees were where people went to pray. And that's where power was found. Now, as warped as that might sound, evidently Paul understood the significance of my knees. It is no coincidence that Paul, in coming to the end of this armor, would mention what would be most vital to all of our lives and the best means of protecting myself, the weight that life brings, the mobility that I need to do the work of God, the only thing that's sufficient to keep me going is the spirit of prayer. And the devil fears the weakest one of you that go to your knees. And so tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer. I want to talk to you about prayer the way Paul talked to the Ephesians. And let's go back to the verse, if you will. They can put it up on the screen. Just leave it up. We're going to go through its step. We're going to dissect verse 18. Amen. Amen. Verse 18 said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Paul gives a dissected lesson on prayer. And he makes prayer the crowning jewel and the success that is needed for the battles of life. No matter how complete the armor no matter how skilled may be the science of war, no matter how courageous a person may be, we may be certain that without prayer we cannot defeat the enemy because God alone can give us that victory and we cannot fight the battle of life without prayer. When the Christian soldier goes armed completely, For the spiritual conflict. If he looks to God by prayer. He can be sure of this. That he will triumph. Because there is an energy in prayer. That enables me. And empowers all of the other pieces of armor in my life. And so he gives me a dissected lesson on prayer. And not just prayer but Real prayer. And he tells us how to pray if we're going to defeat our enemy. And if you're going to have prayer that prevails, it's going to begin with always. He said praying always. Everybody say always. I love that word. Because in the original, it means every occasion... It means in every season of life, prayer should be a regular habit of my life. Not something that I do when trauma comes or trouble rises, but it should be the atmosphere in which I live my life. Paul said that prayer needs an always to it. Everybody say always. It has to have and always connected to it. That means that there is no period of life that should be without its protection. If you're young, you need to pray. If you're middle-aged, you need to pray. If you're old, you need to pray. If you're rich, you need to pray. If you're poor, you need to pray. If you're talented, you need to pray. If you're untalented, you still need to pray because there is no period of life that does not need the powerful touch of prayer upon it. There is no condition of life that should be without prayer's influence in adversity or prosperity, in sunshine or rain, in storm or in calm. In temptation or test, in trial or triumph, in duty or drudgery, among all the changing circumstances of life, I need the powerful influence of prayer. Every circumstance, everybody say every circumstance, every circumstance of life needs to be covered by prayer. That means that we pray independent of circumstances. In sickness, you pray for patience. And when you are in health, you pray for a thankful heart. In prosperity, you should pray that you would not forget God. And when you are in adversity, you need to pray that God will not forget you. Hallelujah. Pray no matter what the circumstances of life are, prayer is always in season. Even though we are not always inclined to pray, prayer is always in season. And this is what I have learned about life, is that when you least desire to pray, is when you really need to pray the most. Oh, hallelujah. Make everything a matter of prayer. Every period of life. I talked about the seasons of life Sunday morning. I don't care what season of life you're in. You need to cover it in prayer. Because you're not going to navigate the changes of life without the help of prayer in your life. You're not going to navigate all the ups and downs and all the changes and all the uncertainties that life brings to you without prayer. Amen. Somebody say, I need to pray. Somebody say, I need to pray more. You see, some of us use prayer as an escape hatch. It's that extra cord in case the other parachute doesn't work. We make all our plans and we go do our thing and about halfway through the fall, we realize what we decided to do and what we designed didn't work. And, and so we start praying. That's not what prayer is designed to be. Although it does enable me to escape, prayer is designed to be an always. Something that encompasses every moment of my life. Every hour of my day. Every second that I breathe, prayer needs to be the atmosphere in which I live and when I make prayer that atmosphere in which I live I am able to face any devil I am able to face any adversity and overcome amen and sometimes overcoming is not running overcoming is not is not walking overcoming is not even turning Many times overcoming is just standing. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Sometimes there's a victory in just showing up. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. The devil tried to take me out at my knees this week. He tried to. Dislocate my knee. He tried to immobilize me. But I found a closet of prayer. And here I am tonight. I just want to lift my hands and say thank you God. For your preserving power. Thank you God for your mercy and your grace. So for your prayer to be powerful. It has to have an always. Every season. Every condition. For your prayer to be powerful. It has to be what Paul said, with all prayer. Everybody needs a with all in their prayer life. Now, what does that mean? That means all kinds of prayer. That means varieties of prayer that we pray public prayers, private prayers, vocal prayers, silent prayers. When Paul used this word, He eliminated any excuse that man could say for not needing to pray. He said if it's a hurried prayer, pray it anyway. Or if it's a thought out prayer, pray it anyway. If it's a family prayer, whatever kind of prayer it is, you need to pray it. There are all kinds of prayers that we're going to pray in our lifetime. Let those prayers loose because they are the means of your deliverance prayer. The believer who prays and only asks. The believer who prays and only petition. The believer who prays and only supplicates misses out on the blessings that come with the giving of thanks. Thanksgiving is a great weapon of prayer and it is equal to that of intercession and it is equal to that Of pleading the blood. Praise changes things as much as prayer does. And this is what I've come to tell somebody here tonight. You need to quit whining to God and start praising God. God knows what your need is. You've already told him that enough. Now you need to lift your voice and say thank you God that you're an answering God. Thank you God that you are a way Making God. Amen. Praise changes things as much as prayer changes things. The Bible said of Job and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Amen. Prayer can turn things around. There's a variety of prayers that can be prayed in life. This statement with all implies an earnestness of one who will leave nothing untried that means if this kind of prayer doesn't get through I'm going to go to this kind of prayer and if this kind of prayer doesn't get through I'm going to go to this kind of prayer I'm going to keep going to prayer until I find the one that will bring me into the place that I need to be. What a multitude of prayers that we're going to pray in our lifetime. Prayer for mercy, prayer for forgiveness, prayer for strength, prayer for help, prayer for wisdom, prayer for grace, prayer for deliverance, prayer for comfort, prayer for hope, prayer for a hand that will reach out and take ours and walk with us through our dark valley, through our prayers. We find the strength to go on. Amen. He said, praying always. With all prayer. Amen. Everybody say, with all prayer. Put the scripture up there. With all prayer and supplication. There's more than one kind of prayer. And then he said, you got to do it in the spirit. If your prayer is going to be powerful, to me this is one of the most crucial points of Paul's lesson. Prayer, the atmosphere of prayer, must be in the Spirit. The power of prayer depends on the element in which it works. Did you hear me? The power of prayer depends on the element in which it works. In the right element, prayer prevails. Somebody said that a swan cannot do its best in the air, nor an eagle in the water. They have to be in their elements to show their beauty. And the saint of God The only element that really works and that really shows the power and the strength of God is the element of in the Spirit. Some say their prayers are not working. If your prayers are not working, then Paul's advice to you is to get in the right element and they will work. Somebody said, I prayed and it didn't change one thing then you need to go find a different element to get in to pray. Because when you get in the right element, something's going to happen. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And what happened? Revelation come. The only way that John endured Patmos was that first chapter. I was in the Spirit. On the Lord's day. You see we can spend a lot of time. Mouthing things to God. Platitudes and things that we've heard. And things that we've learned. But when we move into that spiritual realm in prayer. Everything changes. James said that Elijah was a like man. As us, alike men of passion, like we are, and he prayed, praying. That's what the literal translation says. He prayed, praying. I have learned this about prayer: is that very seldom do I step right into the mainstream of God's Spirit. More often than not, I have to fight through my flesh and my thoughts and my carnality. But if I'll just keep pressing. I'll find that vein in just a moment and I'll feel that element that uh, of his spirit. And all of a sudden prayer goes. It's like an updraft of the Holy Ghost. It's like a wind that just picks you up out of the element that you're in and moves you into a divine element where you look around and you think, oh, that's not a problem. God can do anything. Amen. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The only effective prayer is in the Spirit. Under the impulse and the direction of the Holy Ghost, you can do anything. Praying in the Spirit is the only way to pray in the will of God, according to Romans 8, 26 and 27. It is not true prayer unless by the Holy Ghost, the heart is filled with heavenward longings and aspirations. Then you know you have really prayed. This is what changes our prayer. From cold form or mere words to heartfelt realities when we pray in the Spirit. I wish I could teach people how to do that. But you just have to experience it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? You prayed and then you really prayed. And you know the difference. Paul said praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching there unto. Watching. That's the next word. The word means not sleeping. But alert. Attentive. Vigilant. It's the opposite of listlessness. It is praying with your eyes open. Listen to me tonight. <laughs> I-, I need to get into some of your minds right now. Some of you. I know we all pray with our eyes closed, but I'm talking about there are people who pray with their spiritual eyes closed. Two things. They don't expect anything to happen, and they've got them closed because they don't really want to see themselves. Paul said if you want prayer to be effective, if you want the kind of prayer that will make this armor powerful enough to withstand anything, you gotta pray with your eyes open, saying, God, if there's something wrong in me, show it to me. If there's an attitude in me that's contributing to this problem, help me to see that. Quit quit letting me be duped into thinking that if I close my eyes it'll go away. I need my eyes open when I pray. I need my eyes opened when I pray prayers that are open our eyes that are open in prayer there's the, the scope of your vision is enlarged but more than just watchfulness this word implies direction for one of the translations of the Greek word literally means toward prayer gives life direction prayer points me Toward something that is worthy, something that is worthwhile. Prayer is what bends my life. Prayer is what turns my life. Prayer is what points me in the right direction, points me toward spirituality and away from carnality. It points me toward forgiveness and away from harshness, and bitterness. It turns me from anger toward peace. It turns me from hatred toward love. It turns me from meanness toward helpfulness. Prayer directs my life and it points me in the right direction. Why would anybody not want to pray? You know what I've discovered about life? There are some people that just enjoy being miserable. But more than that, some people like the attention they get when they're miserable. Poor me. If you knew what I had to live through, live with, go through, do this. You know what? There's a cure for that. And it's called neology. Neology. Brother Hughes, I just can't help it. I just, this this bitterness just keeps coming up. I have a cure for it. Get down like this. I don't mean just physically, but in your spirit, humble yourself and submit yourself to the mighty hand of God and see God turn that bitterness to love. Turn that unforgiving spirit to a willingness to say, God, If you would forgive me, who am I to withhold forgiveness from anybody? And so the devil works so hard to keep us off our knees. And he works to disable us. Because if we ever get down on our knees and get serious with God and get in the spirit, hatred has to leave and bitterness has to leave and meanness disappears. It's amazing what a good old-fashioned prayer meeting can do for your attitude. Oh, my word. It's amazing how it can change your entire perspective on life. Sometimes it just helps you understand that hill ain't worth dying on. You know, you don't need to slap at everything that comes up in life. And, and, and sometimes in life and relationships and all that we go through in living this life, everything that comes up, we're, we're, we're wore out. We come to church, we're so wore out, we don't even know sick them from come here. We don't know whether we're up or down. We don't want to, whether we're washing or hanging out to dry. Some, you need to quit fighting some of those battles. And prayer will help you to know which battles need to be left alone. Every hill ain't worth dying on. You know what? I'm going to make my point. Well, make your point and lose your friends. Make your point and ruin your family. Make your point and jeopardize your job. Prayer will help you. Prayer will help you understand that there's a balance that God can bring to life. And the necessary battles, you'll win. But you don't have to fight everything that comes along. Amen. God help me. I feel like I need to stay here a Watching. Watching. Having direction. Moving in a positive direction in life is so very important. Amen. I I need the Holy Ghost to bend me sometimes. Because I get pretty twisted. (laughs) I get pretty people do that to me. No anybody ever do that to you? Just get you twerked, you know? They used to say, I'm fit to be tied. I never, I don't know what that means. I'm fit to be tied. I've had it up to here. I've had it up to here. Well, why not have it up to here? <laughs> what's the difference? I mean, what's two inches? My Lord, go ahead and have it all. My point is having it up to here or here isn't going to fix your problems. It's not going to fix my problem. What's going to help me live life and overcome and end up triumphant is that I understand the importance of getting on my knees and making sure that I keep a contact with God who can enable me to deal with any adversity that life brings to me. Amen. Watch for occasions to pray. That's what it means. Not Avoid, but watch for a Watch for answers to prayer. How many times have we gone to God, Lord, we need this, we need this, we need this, and while we're praying, God brings the answer, and we're still praying, God, we need this. Didn't that happen in the New Testament? They're praying for the Lord to deliver John and Peter, and all of a sudden they hear a knock on the door, and they go, and the maiden looks out, and there he stands, and, and they're still praying, and she goes back and says, He's at the door. It's impossible. We're praying for him. Do we think God has hearing problems or he's not quick enough to work those things out? Sometimes God has to get through our thick-headedness to understand the answer is right here with you right now. Amen. With all perseverance... We are exhorted to persevere in prayer. That means you don't give up. You stick to it. You keep on praying. Every tendency in life is to wear you out and weary you. But the most counterproductive thing you can do in your life is to quit praying. There has to be an unrelenting passion. It's needed to make prayer triumphant. Not giving up. Never becoming discouraged or disheartened. It doesn't mean that we are trying to twist God's arm to make him do something he doesn't want to do. It rather means that there is such a burden and concern in my heart that I will not quit praying until God's answer is given. And I will not quit praying until God's will is done. You see, this is what one writer said. Prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, but getting God's will done on earth. Don't quit praying. Never quit praying. Amen. And then he closes by saying, praying for all saints. You see, prayer doesn't need to always be about you. One of the best ways that I've found to get my prayers answered is to start praying for somebody else. Somebody asked me a while back how we got this property. And I said, well, you want to hear a long story or a short story? They said, I think short, but I told them the long story. We had been in a strip shopping center. We were in a contract, not to our doing, but we're in a contract, a five-year contract we could not get out of. So it was impossible for us to leave that lease without being hit with extreme amount of indebtedness so we didn't have a choice we were stuck there but the week that our lease was up our church went on a three-day prayer and fast chain with 360 other churches we were given list. the purpose of the prayer was we were to pray for all those other churches and they were going to pray for us you don't pray for yourself anybody remember that we went on that prayer chain three-day prayer and fast chain And we met at the church, and we prayed over all these churches all over the United States. We prayed, God bless them, God send revival, God make a way. Here we are in a strip shopping center. We need a place to have church. We need a place of our own. But we're praying for others because that's the will of God. It's not for me to always be looking at me and saying, God, do you understand who I am? God knows who I am, and he knows what I need. And sometimes God doesn't answer me until I get my eyes off of myself. And I get my eyes on somebody else. And so we're on our way to church on Wednesday night, the last day and night of our prayer and fast chain. And we pulled by this piece of property. I've been by here many times, had called about it, couldn't afford it. But a new sign was put up out here. And my wife said, honey, you need to call about that property. And you know what? I was just like any other husband. I said, honey, I've already called about that property. But she was persistent. She kept on, you need to call about, but honey, I've called. We can't afford, even if we could buy the land, we couldn't build a building on it. And you know who won? She did. So the next morning, I make a phone call. And he said, you know, it's strange that you would call me because I just accepted that property yesterday with the contingent that they would be willing to negotiate their price. As you well know, it's been on the, on, the, on, on the market for a long time and has been unable to sell. We understand some of those things now, but back then it didn't matter. And he, I said, well, what are they asking? $375,000. Okay. Will they accept an offer? He said, sure, give us an offer. He said, we offer him $100,000. I told him, I said, we offer him $100,000. He said, okay, I'll take it to him. The next day, I think, maybe that afternoon, I received a phone call. He said, Mr. Hughes, they've countered. They've come down to 175 or something like that. And I said, we'll offer them 125 If they'll take it, we'll buy it. Less than an hour later, I got a call from Mr. Barr. Mr. Hughes, they've accepted your offer. I didn't have a bank lined up. We didn't have... in the church checking account at that time. But when God makes a way, he makes a way. I made one phone call. That man was able to help us get the money to secure the note. I went to the bank and the only thing that convinced them that we could pay a note of that with such a small group of people, we only had about 50 people then, 60 people, was the fact that for five years we had been paying over $3,500 a month in rent and utilities. So there's nothing wasted in life, church. Even those years that you think are just fruitless, you just keep praying, you keep believing, because God's going to work things out bigger, better than you. We never could have imagined having a piece of property this prime, and in a location like this. Who could have ever, we were looking on the other side of the railroad tracks. We had looked at property on the other side of Highway 3, down by the bay, on the back street. But God said, no, this is what I have for you. And if you'll just keep praying and be faithful, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to bring you where you need to go. Sometimes we just need to quit praying for ourselves. Start praying for God to bless somebody else. That's very hard to do when you're trying to barely pay your bills. That's hard to do when when you're having problems in your life. It's hard to do when, when you know how desperately you need an answer from God. But sometimes we have to follow Paul's advice and make our prayers for all saints. Because if If I can help somebody else along life's way, if my prayer can help them overcome, then surely somebody else out there is praying for me. And they're going to help me overcome. Amen. Let's stand together. I didn't think I was going to get it wrapped up tonight, but I did. In 835. We can fight but by no better means than through prayer. Amen. Many things can be said about the human knee, And this is what the Lord gave me to tell you. You can be brought to your knees by circumstances. And that's one way to get there. But it's not the best way. You can be cut off at your knees by the tricks of the enemy and that certainly is not the way. Or you can get on your knees intentionally, purposely and that reverence and submission and humility will bring a power to your life that the devil cannot defeat. Amen. I don't know who wrote it but I love it. I think it was Brother McFall. He said, I've had my trials. I've fought many battles. But prayer is the only thing I've found to win the war. When the enemy approaches on the battleground, I use my shield or my faith as my shield and God's word, my sword. I go To war on my knees. It's not flesh and blood I battle. But principalities. I'm fighting for loved ones. And my family. So with my face before God. I go to war on my knees. Now we're not the only ones. With the battlefield experience. They mocked him. They beat him. A cruel cross he bore. Oh, but back in that garden, before he ever died on Calvary, he cried, not mine, but thine, Lord. And on his knees he won the war. Amen. And he went to war on his knees. It wasn't flesh and blood he battled, but principalities. He partook of the bitter cup for our sins and iniquities. And with his face before God, he went to war on his knees. Amen. God, somehow get down in my spirit tonight how vitally important prayer is to my spiritual existence. And if I'm going to overcome anything or I'm going to go through anything that life throws at me, I'm going to have to know how to pray. Amen. reach over and take somebody by the hand God right now I I, I feel such an inadequacy to even come before you right now but you know who we are and you know how desperately we need the power that prayer can bring to our lives oh God help us help us to always pray help our prayers to have that element about it Help us to have that with all prayer, every kind of prayer, in every season of life, in every circumstance of life, in every condition of life that we would pray. Young and old and middle age, whether we are prospering or whether we are struggling, let prayer be the atmosphere in which we live. For prayer will surely prevail and prayer will win the victory. Prayer will take us through. Prayer will enable us to keep moving. Prayer will bring a direction to our life that is toward righteousness and toward peace and toward hope and toward joy and away from anger and bitterness and hatred and resentment. Oh God, how we need to pray Oh, how we need to lift our voice to you and call out. Oh, how we need to enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Oh, how we need the spirit of prayer to take hold of us until we pray in the spirit. Until we pray and then we really pray. Oh, God.